Hello, I'm Karen Pascal. I'm the executive director of the Henry Nouwen Society. Welcome to a new episode of Henry Nouwen, Now and Then. Our goal at the Society is to extend the rich spiritual legacy of Henry Nouwen to audiences around the world. We invite you to share these podcasts and our free daily meditations with your friends and family. Through them, we can continue to introduce new audiences to the writings and the teachings of Henry Nouwen, and we can remind each listener that they're a beloved child of God. Today, I want to introduce you to Sarah Sanderson. Sarah has written a very important book called The Place We Make. The subtitle of this book says so much, Breaking the Legacy of Legalized Hate. In this book, Sarah, a white woman, wrestles with racism, privilege, and faith. Sarah was born in Oregon and returned there eight years ago. The Place We Make is a thoughtful investigation into the incredible true story of a black man convicted and exiled under the Oregon Exclusion Law in 1851. Sarah discovered in her research that she's a descendant of the two men who assisted in the exile of Jacob Vanderpool. Sarah Sanderson, welcome to Henry Nowen, Now and Then. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Oh, tell us about your book. I can give little capsules, but I want to hear from you. The story on this book, why did you write it and what did you find? The motivation to write the book really came when I moved back to Oregon, as you mentioned in the introduction. I was born here. I left when I was very small, moved away again. And the first thing I noticed when I came back to Oregon was how white it was, how many white people are here compared to other places I'd lived. I'd lived in Minneapolis and New Jersey and Chicago and or much more diverse populations in those cities. And then when I came to Oregon, I noticed there's just not as many black people here. And I wondered why that was. Um, and I happened to mention it to my brother and he said, Sarah, didn't you know there's a history of anti-black exclusion laws in Oregon? And I didn't. I had been born here. Some of my schooling was here, but I had no idea that Oregon was the only state to join the union with an anti-Black exclusion law on its books. And so that sent me researching. I just wanted to know more. And I came across this name, Jacob Vanderpool, and it jumped out at me maybe because it was, um, I I thought, maybe this is a story small enough for me to wrap my hands around. You know, sometimes racism feels so big. It's just hundreds of years and all over the globe. And it's like, what could we possibly do about it? But this one name jumped out at me. Maybe it was the leading of the Holy Spirit, but I just thought I've got to know more. And as I researched, I discovered that my own family members had participated in the trial and stood by and silently done nothing at the expulsion of this man from this state 172 years ago. And when I found that out, then I realized why I'd felt this nudge to research this story, because it was my story. It was my own family and my own people's legacy. And then I had to ask myself, well, what do I want to do about that? I found it fascinating in your book, right near the beginning, you really in your introduction, you tell people you have to know I'm a Christian. Mm. Why was that an important kind of um, caveat Mm -hmm. put forward in this? 
Well, um, for a few reasons. One thing I, I didn't, I knew I was going to have to talk about Jesus because I couldn't have approached this without knowing Jesus. There was so much fear and shame I felt in coming to this topic at all. And I know I couldn't have done it without Jesus and Jesus's love, knowing that I was forgiven. And so I, I kind of wanted to warn people like, hey, if you're coming to this thinking this is just a history, I want you to know, like, I'm coming with with this person, you know, holding my hand. So don't be surprised if his name comes up every once in a while. Um, and then also, I just think it's important for Christians to start talking about these things. We don't have a great track record. Um, so much of the evils of white supremacy have been done by Christians in the name of, of Christ. And so, and I think for many of us in the white church, it's, it's difficult to know how to get into that, how to talk about that. We've, we feel afraid or, or we're not sure what to say. So I, I just wanted to, to lead by example, not by the example of, I've got this all figured out, but by the example of like, you know what, if you're a Christian and you don't know what to say, well, I don't either, but let's go together. <laughs> So I love that about your book. I actually just loved it because I felt like you you caught me right where I am and that was so valuable. It was interesting. I mean, I, it's so funny when I read a book, uh, I'm always thinking about who am I going to give this to, you know, and I've got, luckily I have some friends in Oregon and they're mm -hmm. already getting the book. <laughs> Wonderful. It's much bigger than that. It's much bigger. And that's what I really appreciated. I realized we don't know how to talk at this mm -hmm. point. We don't know how to be part of the healing process that is before us, mm -hmm. um, the reconciliation process that's before us. Uh, I'm I'm up in Canada, and this is very much a reality in Canada as well. Mm -hmm. Racism, very much so, and probably is even more underlined here because we've just been celebrating our, uh, you know, our our indigenous rights are so mm. important, and trying to figure out how do we how do we make it right? Mm -hmm. um, did you find yourself going, do I have a right to write this book when you're white, when you're oh, a white person? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that was a huge part of my fear going into this was, are people going to say she should have stayed in her lane? Like, this is not your story to tell. Um, just tons of fear around that. Um, and I was so grateful to be met by different um Black people, Indigenous people along the story as I was researching, who, you know, I, I felt like I was sort of bringing that question, like, is it okay that I'm doing this? And they said, yes, yes, like, it's okay to tell your story. And I, I, I appreciated that, you know, response. And I think that um, it, I, the way I felt about watching the conversation, you know, especially in 2020, after George Floyd's murder, felt like there were lots of people of color saying, you know, this is what's happening and this is what's happening and this is what's wrong and this is what's wrong. And I didn't see a lot of white people stepping up and saying, yes, you're right. And so that was kind of just what I wanted to say was, yes, you're right. Like as a white person, you're right. You're right. I want to acknowledge it. But I appreciate what you said about um, the work you're doing in Canada, because I do feel that every place has their own history and 
part of what I wanted to do also was just to set an example of here's how I found out more about my history and here's how it's leading me into action. And I do hope that people all over the world will take an example of looking at their own specific histories. Very much so. Very much so. And it's it's easy. Like I, I thought you were so sensitive in realizing that for some you feel you feel a sense, well, where can I begin and what do I do with this? And I so appreciate it. My goodness, you're a gifted researcher. Mm. This is like a, it's a wonderful puzzle to read this book because it's layer upon layer upon layer of discovery, uh, of, of revelation. And then you kind of, you finally get to the place you can lay it out and go, wow. Um, and I think people who have gotten into their, um, you know, have wanted to do their own personal histories or family histories and discover, did they come on the Mayflower? Did they come on some boat that landed mm-hmm. them in the in the southern United States as a as a slave? They want to know their history. I, I appreciated that as you peeled away the layers. That you were uncompromisingly honest mm-hmm. about what was there, about what what you found. Mm-hmm. And some of the ache that we can all feel with what we find, mm-hmm. uh, we can look and say, wow, uh, that that whole manifest destiny, that whole business that we somehow somebody gave us the right to come and take land from people. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Oh, but now we are faced with how do we go forward from where we are today? Yeah. And I find that you're thinking in a, in a very... Um, deep and meaningful way about that. What is your sense? What would you want people to take from this book? Thank you for those kind words. Um, I, I did feel like I was on a journey with the Holy spirit, you know, leading me to uncover these things and to find things in the past and things in my own heart. Um, And I've discovered even after the book has come out that I'm still on the journey of figuring out how God would have me respond to my situation and my history. And I think part of it is simply acknowledging the past, right? All of us can acknowledge our own, find out what it is and bear witness to the past, whether that's the history of our family or our club or our church or our city or our community. I mean, there's something there for us to uncover and, and acknowledge. And then to ask the question of, well, where does all of this show up in my own heart? Um, I, you know, I, I don't want to, I feel like there's so much fear of white guilt. You know, we don't, we don't want to make other people feel guilty or some people are afraid that if we talk about this, it'll make them feel guilty. And so I I don't want to point any fingers at anybody else, but I wanted to be really clear in the book about what I found when I looked at myself and, and how have the lies of white supremacy that have been, you know, zooming around me my entire life, how have they landed in me and where do I need to uncover that? So I hope to offer an example to people who are ready to ask those questions of themselves. Um, And then I do think there are specific action steps that will unfold as we do the work of finding out, okay, what was it here? Then it becomes a little bit easier um, 
to figure out what the next step is when you're talking about something local or something in your family or your your place. Um, one of the things I talk about in the book was that uh, I found out about a spot just, I mean, I'm pointing behind me because it's like three blocks away from where I'm sitting. Um, I found this map that said that it's a, an American Indian burial ground and it's three blocks from here. And, and right now there's no marker at that spot that that's that there are human remains under our feet and so i'm meeting with the mayor this week actually the mayor of my little town to say like hey could we put a marker so that's just a very small thing but it comes from knowing my history better so now one of the things that uh, you mentioned early on in fact your publicist mentioned that henry Nowen was very important to you i'm curious how henry Nowen weaves his way into your life and and, you know, you told me a little bit about that story, but tell our audience, how has Henry helped you through this journey? Yeah. So I met Henry now in years before I'd ever heard of Jacob Vanderpool. And I would really say that Henry Nowen's thought prepared me, made me who I needed to be, to be ready to go on this journey with Jacob Vanderpool. So years ago, uh, 12 years ago, I went through a very difficult year. Uh, I was 33. Some people call it your Jesus year. And it really was <laughs> a year of intense pain. Um, and it involved, you know, bringing up some childhood wounds and just really, really difficult year. And at the end of that year, I was at a church service at my church that was um, that church would have an, a service right before Christmas that they called the dark night of the soul service. It was kind of keyed to winter solstice and for people who weren't feeling all bubbly and joyful and happy about the holidays. Um, so I went to this service and our associate pastor, Betsy Wynn, read a piece out of Henry Nowen's The Inner Voice of Love. It was um, go into the place of your pain was the the essay that she read. And I had read Henry Nowen before, um, but that essay on that night was exactly what I needed to hear. I mean, it. I just felt like it just looked into my soul. I felt so seen through everything that I'd been through that previous year. And so I bought myself a copy of the book and for for a decade, I kept it on my bedside table and I just kept returning to different little essays. You know, the book is, they're so small, these little jewels in this, in this book. Um, but the, the thoughts that are in here um, taught me so much about trusting, trusting that Jesus is real, that he's here, that he can meet me in my pain, that he holds me in love. And then when it came time to write this book, I discovered that I had taken one problem to Henry Nowen and found out that he was fitting me to face an entirely different problem. So going to the place of your pain, I went to the place of my childhood pain with Henry Nowen. And then I discovered that I was ready to go into a different kind of pain because I think that the pain of racism is 
it's a collective pain, you know, for white people. I think we don't know how to face all of the things that our ancestors have done. It's like, it's so much, it's pain for people who were oppressed by white supremacy, but it's also pain for people who have this legacy of oppression uh, as a, oppressors, you know, and we don't know how to go into it. So I think Henry Nouwen really helped me to know it's okay to go towards the pain because Jesus is going to hold you in love. So I find at the, uh, the other word that comes to mind is the word shame. Mm-hmm. Yes. Shame. Yes. And that can so rule us. It's, it's really interesting, but Henry's uh, ability to be so honest about things like that mm-hmm. gives us a vocabulary, gives us permission to begin to look at things through that lens. Mm-hmm. I found it was really interesting to to see, and this takes me back to your your thing about sharing with people that you are Christian, and mm. it had three points about that. But the third one was pretty profound in that you talked about the fact that if you didn't know a God of forgiveness, you don't know if you could have done this book. So tell me a bit about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's true. I think that one reason why, you know, it, here in the United States, we see all these states that are passing laws that say we're not we're not going to look at this like we're not we're going to take all the African-American studies programs out of our schools. We're going to take these standards out of our schools. I think that that's a spiritual problem. I think the root of it is shame that we're ashamed of this history. And so we don't think we can look at it. And and I felt it certainly shame about about what my family had done, about my own little, you know, bits of implicit bias that popped up every once in a while. And I didn't know what to do with it. Um, and I, I do. I think that Henry Nouwen's continual assurance that we can go towards the place of our pain and shame because Jesus loves us all the way in it and through it and out the other side. Um, it, it did. It, it was what enabled me to to do that work because um, I just don't think that as a society, we know how to talk about this kind of thing. You know, we for, we think that people are either like horrible and should be you know, I hate the word canceled. It's become such a, but you know, that's all we know how to do with people is cancel them if they're bad or idolize them if they're good. And to say, no, actually Jesus allows us to be really clear eyed about the sin. Like it's, it's not that it's okay. It is evil, but we're still loved. And so we can walk through it to get to the other side. And I think something that's really critical in all of this is the statement that we we are part of as we awaken and feel that freedom to look at it and to be part of being making a difference, even mm-hmm. though we're clumsy. I remember feeling this way about the indigenous issues here in Canada mm-hmm. and feeling feeling somehow that I was behind that this had happened mm. on my watch. Mm. I was behind. And then I thought, well, what can I do to catch up? Mm-hmm. Well, you start reading and you start saying, mm-hmm. where can I, what can mm-hmm. I do? How mm-hmm. can I be part of making it better? This happened on my watch, 
And that's my shame. Mm-hmm. But if it happened on my watch, can I, I still have a bit of watch to go. <laughs> so what can I do? Um, yes. I loved what I read in here that you, there was a chain, there was a quote in here by James Baldwin. May I read it and then get your comments on it. Mm-hmm. White people are in effect still trapped in a history that they do not understand. And until they understand it, they cannot be released from it. How do you think your book is going to help us understand that history and then be released from it? I'm curious. Hmm. Well, I think just acknowledging and going all the way in, you know, I talk in the book about empathy. Can we empathize with the people who have been so hurt you know, not just knowing that it happened, but but I, I think sometimes when something is too big or too hard or too painful, we kind of hold it at arm's length. It's like, yeah, that happened, but I I don't have the room in my heart to to imaginatively feel what it meant, what it means. Um so I think that the first thing that we need to do as white people is, you know, James Baldwin says to understand it. And I think it's a, it's not just an intellectual knowing what happened, but it's a, an empathetic, can we, can we begin to try to listen to people's stories in such a way that we start to know what it would have felt, what it does feel like, what does it feel like to walk through this world with a different color skin than, than what we have? And, and what is that experience? And, and then, um, how, how do we be released from it? I mean, I think we can only be released, like Baldwin says, you know, we can't be released from it. We, we can't be released from it until we begin to repair it. But we can't start to repair it until we understand it, until we feel it. It's interesting because I think um, words that scare people are words like reparations. Mm. Yeah, to be quite honest. We need to decide if we're going to go forward in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. And we need to hear that word and understand mm-hmm. why does mm-hmm. that apply to us? Mm-hmm. It doesn't apply just to my neighbor. It applies mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. I think there's all sorts of things that we need to start. And I would like to see our churches return to being the places that talk about this. Yes. That really talk about it. Yes. That really say, how can we be a source of light? for everybody that got wounded, especially those that were wounded uh, by wrongs that Mm -hmm. we've committed, wrongs Mm -hmm. that we allowed, wrongs that we turned away from and didn't Mm -hmm. kind of choose to see. Mm -hmm. So I I mean, it's it's an interesting time in America as a whole. I mean, it's a kind of scary time, obviously, to see such Mm -hmm. divisions. And I know from experience now, there'll be people that will respond to this a conversation and go, oh, you're kind of shoving your opinion down our throat. I think it's God's opinion. I really mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. God is a fair, loving God. Mm-hmm. And we believe that. And that's mm-hmm. what we love about him because mm-hmm. we love, we know he loves everyone. And we mm-hmm. need to restore that justice and balance um, in, in a way that begins to say, I can see I was wrong instead of seeing I was right. You know, yeah. those are things that have to happen yeah Yeah. i mean look at how many times 
I mean, when you read through the book of Isaiah, how many times is God described as a God of justice and righteousness? I mean, what does God care about? God cares about how his people treat the widow and the orphan and the foreigner and the marginalized. I mean, yeah, if we're going to take the Bible seriously at all, we have to take seriously God's call to be agents of healing and love in our communities and this is a major source of wounding that we've got to take care of yeah It's definitely the inner voice of love. And um, it's interesting too, how this one book kind of, in many of these essays, I've put the dates of, you know, when I read it and really it hit home to me. And another interesting little Henry Nouwen story with regard to this book is that on May 21st, 2021, I wrote that date on uh, Seek a New Spirituality. And that was the month that I finished writing this book proposal. And very shortly after that, it got picked up. And that essay is all about discovering your vocation. And I underlined that day, I underlined, um, trust that you too have a unique vocation that is worth claiming and living out faithfully. And so I felt sort of blessed by Henry now and into this new work of like, okay, this book proposal is going out into the world. I'm afraid, but here we go. And so really Henry now and met me in my place of deep personal pain and then kind of sent me out into this new vocation. And I, I feel his presence with me. So I'm grateful for it. Oh, that's lovely. That is just lovely. Well, you know something, I want to recommend your book. I want people to pick it up and read it because it's, a gracious, wonderful, challenging, honest look at where we are today. I mean, you you don't sweep anything under the carpet, but in the midst of it, um, I sense you feel God's love, which is so important. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's the hardest thing. When we feel shame, mm-hmm. we feel mm-hmm. kind of connected to a wrong. How do we feel God's love? But God is this God that calls us all beloved. Yes. And I think that's so very important as we become uh, a resource of light and of, of kindness and of of a new possibility. I mm-hmm. think it's mm-hmm. important that we know the love of God and mm-hmm. it drenches us mm-hmm. and then we can drench mm-hmm. others with mm-hmm. it. I think that's important. It's the only way. I mean, our hearts are not love factories, right? We, we can't just make love and push it into the world. We can only receive it and channel it. So yes, we can't love others until we know, until we receive love from God. That's lovely. Sarah, I thank you so much for, for the hard work that went into writing this book. Mm -hmm. When I read it, I could feel that hard work went into it and a complete dedication that took you down a trail that you didn't even know where you were heading. Mm -hmm. And you end up there and you go, okay, what do I do with this? My ancestors were part of this part of me, part of my history is here. I think Jacob Vanderpool is a movie in the making, to be quite honest, because you look <laughs> at it and you go, okay, maybe it's time for Oregon to to relive that story and decide how do we look different uh, 
and the rest of us, how do we look different? Thank you so much for sharing with me. And, uh, and I would encourage everyone, get the place we make, Breaking the Legacy of Legalized Hate. It's a beautiful book. Um, I will say this, Sarah is a, an incredible researcher, but she's also a beautiful writer. And it's always good to read a book that you go, this is beautifully written. So thank you very much, Sarah. Appreciate thank you so much, Karen. It's been such a joy to speak with you. Thank you all for listening to our conversation today. You will find links in the show notes of this podcast for Sarah Sanderson's book, The Place We Make. I can highly recommend this book. It's honest, insightful, wonderfully researched, and beautifully written. I hope you've already signed up to receive our daily meditations written by Henry Nowen. If not, you can do that on our website at henrynowen.org. Remember, they're free. And they're a wonderful way to stay informed about the various things we have to offer to those who enjoy the writings and the teachings of Henry Nowen. We'd also be so grateful if you'd consider donating to the Henry Nowen Society. Your resources help us share the daily meditations and these podcasts right around the world. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please take time to give us a review or a thumbs up or pass it on to your friends. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.